every day on 20 for a whole 60 days, bro. I would ride on 20 cussing God out, like cussing God out. Uh, the reason this is called Kill Pride is because realistically, that's the thing that we need to kill or really it could kill us. Welcome to Kill Pride Club, the place where we want you whole. My name is Terrence, and I'm excited about today's episode. You can take the pressure off your chest. Let go of the worry and the stress. Let go of the worry and the stress. Today, we are kicking off, and I'm excited. I'm excited to share about where this all came from to begin with. About eight months ago, I started feeling pissed off and angry about random things. In moments where I should have been happy, like birthday parties, holidays, I found myself very upset and I began to realize like that emotion wasn't congruent with the event that was happening. And so I started taking notes of every single instance when that would happen. And what I found over time is that I was dealing with grief, the grief with the death of my father. And the crazy thing is that even though this was happening eight months ago, this, this, this newfound anger and this grief, my father's been dead for eight years, man. Eight years. And so it's crazy. And, and what, I, what I realized is that when he died, I didn't have the opportunity to grieve properly because of my roles as a son, as a brother, as a husband, as a father, as a leader in the community, as an employee, as a student. And then we were in the middle of buying a house. All this stuff was happening at the same time while my father was dying. So I, I realized like I didn't have the chance to grieve because if I dropped any of that stuff, to take the time to grieve, everything would have fell apart, right? And so here I am, eight years later, dealing with grief and, and figuring out what it looks like. What I discovered though, is that the more that I begin to share and the more that I begin to open up and talk about what I was feeling, the more restorative it became. And so as I shared and I opened up, and I'm a private person, and so it was a weird thing for me, but the more I did it, the more courage I got, and also the more free I felt. What it did was it led me on this discovery of this whole idea of grief and sharing. And I realized very quickly that in our society, typically black men don't really have the emotional bandwidth or the opportunities to explore a variety of emotions. You pretty much have to be either happy or pissed off. Those are the only two emotions that we get a chance to feel because you show anything else and then you're weak, right? Or you're a punk. And so we're not allowed to be vulnerable because somebody may take that vulnerability and use it against you. And so there's a number of things that we felt with it, along with just this, this concept of my wife and I, we, we had some relational challenges back a few years ago, and we were pretty much on the rocks, man. We were almost done. And so we had to come to Jesus feeding and pretty much decided that we, we put 60 days on the calendar. And for those 60 days, we were going to do everything that we could to be able to make sure we gave it our all with the intent being that after 60 days, like whatever happened, happened, right? And so during that 60 days, what I discovered is that in a lot of ways, God began dealing with me and began to show me ways that my pride was the issue. Not in the sense of walking around with my chest puffed out or not in the sense of like, you know, I didn't think I was better than her in my mind, but I began to realize that as an avid learner and as a, a person that enjoys growth, she doesn't necessarily move the same way I move. 
And so I began resenting her for that, right? I began to judge her for watching trash TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the TV that's trash, right? You know, y'all know all the shows, right? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, your head ain't in a book, y'all even like, you need to be reading something. And so, and so low key, man, I started judging her, right? And it was just like, bro, okay, that's an issue, right? And all of it was pride. And the more I began to think about pride, I began to see how it impacts so many things. It was impacting my relationship. It was impacting my ability to be able to really grow and flourish because pride was also the same thing that was keeping me from asking for help. I had to do it myself. I had to get it out of the mud. I had to control all these things. And as well as like, I couldn't, I couldn't show emotions. Like whenever BB would ask me, she would say, she was like, what emotions are you feeling right now? <laughs> and my answer would be, I don't like it. <laughs> which, which, sounds, which sounds remedial in a mug now that I say it out loud. But like, that was my answer, right? Like, that's all I had, bro. Like, I was, that's it. And so that's where this comes from. I am grateful that all of you are joining me on this journey, man, to kill our pride so that we can live healthier and fuller lives. And so I'm just excited about all that this is here. So thank you. We've got some good brothers here in the building. Yeah. And excited to get this thing rocking and rolling. I've got Rashad Graham. Got Ron Anthony and I've got Brandon Hodges here, a group of my closest brothers. And today, man, I just want us to have this conversation about what this means in terms of killing pride and just thinking about it from that perspective. And so, you know, one of the questions that I would love to start this thing with, um, it, it's a question that, that I really just thought about as I was walking in here. And this question, I think, impacts all of us in this room in some way or some capacity. And so the question is this, where did you learn what it means to be a man. Hmm. So Where did you learn? Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> I'm a product of uh, a household that went through a divorce. Parents were divorced. So my parents, first off, had me when they were in high school. So it was always a, a community of people trying to raise me. Mm. So it was always an aunt, many aunts. But the one constant I always had was my grandfather. And my grandfather didn't graduate high school, started his own janitorial business. From a perspective on the outside, people look at, oh, you clean buildings, oh, that's not really successful. That's not the way to success in this world. Mm -hmm. But he taught me that with hard work, with consistency, you can have anything you want. Mm -hmm. He had to Cadillacs. <laughs> And, and I, I didn't learn until later that he never got his high school degree. Wow. And that he built all this just off hard work, consistency, taking care of his family. So that was my constant. That, that was my goal. You know, I, I had a consistent father. I don't want to For sure. sharing that. Yep. My father wasn't there yep. when they had me in high school. My dad went off to the military to try to support us mm -hmm. and be the father at a high school age. My grandfather was there. Mm -hmm. You know, I lived with my grandfather. So that... That's where I started seeing an example of a man, what it means to raise your family, discipline your family, even when things don't go the way you think they should go, be able to stand up on your own two feet, stand up against people that are saying you can't do this, can't do that because of this or that. So that was my example of how to be a man. And I, and I carried that with me, even when my parents were going through divorce and they were having their own issues, I could always lean on that as my example. Wow, man. I appreciate you sharing that. For me, my dad was super prevalent in my life, always has been. He's legit the picture of a man. But the 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 wild thing is, is that 
it's like for better or worse, it's like we all have a, like a patch quilt. You know, you mm -hmm. pick up different things along the way. I love my dad because he is not trying to be anybody except for himself. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't care what he has on. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care what, what you think about him. You know, like for all his family is good. Yeah. He's good. And there are a lot of parts of me that are that way and a lot of parts of me that aren't because we all pick up our own little things of what works for us. And, and so I'm not going to act like even though I love the way he does life, I think it's incredible. He taught me the way a man should love a woman and he taught me how, what it is to be there for your kids. But there are certain things that were certain images that I wanted to project to myself that I created from other places. And some of the things I saw, you know, some of it were for things that I thought that a man should be, mm. that we all are just kind of creating this own identity as we go. But I definitely would lean to my pops though. Like mm. he, he was that initial Kyle Lawson point for me. Yeah, I think my dad, first and foremost, I think you guys both talked about it, but it's, it's consistency. Mm. I think yeah. I didn't realize until I became a man how important being present like mm. day in, day out is mm -hmm. for yeah. a kid or just, you know, right. the growth of a young person. Sure enough. I think my dad was at every soccer game. Most of y'all know I played soccer growing up, like never missed a game. And I think about that like 20 years removed and I'm like, yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, how? Yeah. How do you do that? Yep. Absolutely. And I think in my household, it was a little different because my mom out earned my dad like thrice over. Like, it was like the balance of what a man in a household typically looks like was very different for me. Mm. And I think I learned from that, again, confidence. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of men struggle with that dynamic yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. off top, right? And so it, it impacts your relationships with your your spouse, your kids. And I never saw that with my dad. Mm. Like he never, or at least I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he probably had self-doubts at some point in time, but he never wore it. Yeah. And I, I learned that you can still be who you are, embrace what you are, be self-confident and not be the thing that everybody says you should be. Wow. That's real. And I think, you know, I've just taken that for, you know, my dad has been like everything to me for that. Man, that's really good. Who are you and what are the roles that you play or the roles that you carry in your life? <laughs> All right. So first and foremost, foremost, a man of God, husband, father, son, brother. And I think when you start listing those things, you realize how much responsibility you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was younger, you just winging it. You just, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but the older I get, I understand my responsibility, mm. my role. And sometimes it can make me feel like I should have done this better back when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So, but then I realized I can't take all of that on myself. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has a responsibility they have to take for their own life. And then, then as a father, you start realizing your life, it, it, it's not that it's not important, but it's to raise these young adults. You're literally raising a young adult to supplant you or to continue your legacy. So those roles take on a lot more precedence now when I sit and think think about them, but I couldn't do any of those without having a foundation in my relationship with God. So that's what grounds me, that's what gives me wisdom, that's what gives me direction, and it gives me confidence in my weaknesses and my shortcomings 
where I can be honest with my kid and say, hey, yeah, I messed up right there. Yeah. I didn't have the right answer. Okay, let's talk about it. Because yeah. I think we try to, as men, we try to hold this persona that I got to have all the right answers. I got to have all the direction. I got to have, I can't slip up. And even if we ask for help, it's almost like, well, I don't want to ask for help because you're going to use that against me, especially my wife. You're going to use that against me later to say, <laughs> you know, oh, you remember last time you couldn't handle that. So, you know, I just thought this was another instance that you couldn't handle it. And, and that, you know, and that, and that, that keeps us from, you know, being vulnerable and transparent yeah, and open. To hold that all in and try to carry all that, it's not benefiting anybody. Because I'm going to lash at some point. It's going to get to a boiling point. It ain't going to be good for anybody. <laughs> and, and so being able to share that, be transparent, hold those responsibilities. The the best way I can kind of describe it or the, the understanding I've got is that I can be responsible or, or be the ultimate responsible person for all the things that are going on in this household, but I don't have to control every action that's going on hmm. because if I try to take it on myself and I don't appreciate what you offer as my spouse, as my child, then, you know, it's just me trying to control everything. And, and y'all going to look at me like, what am I here for? Mm. You know, so it, it takes killing my pride to say, even though I think I can do that better than you, <laughs> I, I'm going to let you do it your way. It's getting done. It's going to get done either way. Yeah. But not think more of myself that nothing can get done in here unless I'm controlling it. And, and so... I think we started with what my roles are yeah. and just being comfortable with having those roles, being able to intercede on behalf of those in my sphere of influence, but also understanding that I have limitations as well and being comfortable with that and, and delegating or relying upon those that are connected to me to help me in those responsibilities. It's interesting that you say that because, and I know for you, Ron, you are a husband, a father, a uncle, a son, a leader, like all these different roles you carry. And so as I'm thinking about all the roles that all of us carry in the space, how often do you get the chance to talk about the weight of those roles? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing about that is first of all, just having the space to be able to do it. Today. It's probably I'm not a bad man. However, if that was my vice, I would bet that not many times you just sit around and talk about, man, listen, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. Because the reality is, there are not spaces that we can just take this, and I know there's no judgment. Yeah. I know that there's people that are like on the same plane that won't just, like, just like, oh yeah, you got it bad, I got it bad too. They're like, <laughs> like really give- Pity party. Yeah, yeah. Give, give solutions, yeah. right? You know, people that are like, cover me and hold me down and yeah. help me get better. Where do you find that? You know what I mean? Like, yes, it was such a void for that, for real. Like, people would, are thirsty for it. Like, it's, there's not a place to take that luggage and just sit it down for a moment yeah. without feeling like, oh, yep, he can't cut it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's a real thing. And I just think it's amazing to hear as you talk about your roles and as you were saying the roles that we all carry, none of them had anything to do with employment. None of them had anything to do with all these things that we've been working our entire life to be able to produce and do and these accomplishments because people are accomplished and are doing 
good things, amazing things, and I'm with willing to venture that, that most of us are probably doing better than our parents are, if we're mm-hmm. thinking about it, right? But none of the real roles, like the roles that matter, the stuff we just rattled off, mm-hmm. none of that had to do with any of that. And that's the thing behind it, because the things that have the highest stakes, the things that we have to carry where we're responsible for the most, we're responsible for eternal consequences oftentimes, those are the spaces that we can't talk about, like what we're dealing with. I can find somebody at the water cooler to talk about my mid-year review, which happened half the day. But, <laughs> but like, I can, I can find plenty of people to talk about my <laughs> mid-year <laughs> review with. And like, and well, they like they they get that, yeah. like you know. But out of all, uh, yeah. you know, but out of all the responsibilities, he didn't mention that a single time. Yeah, he was like, "Yo, man, you're you're awesome to my kids." You know, you were like the, all of these things, like. None of that's mentioned, but that's where we feel the most weight. That's that's yeah. so for transparency's sake, outside of this and, and outside of the in, the intentional relationships that I develop with people in this room, I don't have another space to do that. Like I I I've that was that was a, a complete void in my life. There was nobody that I could talk about that stuff with. Yeah. And you know what? The reality of the situation is there are people in here that I've known for twenty years and we were close enough that we could have talked about that people that see me in some of my worst they wouldn't judge me but the way we carry stuff mm-hmm. it'd be like oh, you know i'm all right yeah you know yeah. maintaining yeah <laughs> making it do what it do like whatever whatever little thing you get whatever thing, yeah. whatever whatever thing you can insert in there you know blessed and highly favored even like whatever ain't he good whatever you whatever you can insert you know so I, I don't have, I, I haven't in the past had yeah. opportunities to talk about that. Space is where I felt safe to talk about that. And it's probably why I acted as foolish as I did all the time when I reached that bullet point because it will come out of me. Man, I, I think, and I'll, I'll come to you, Ace. So there's this book called The Body Keeps Score, right? And it, and it speaks to this whole idea that nothing just goes away and dissipates, right? Like it, there, it's somewhere. Yep. And so, it, so whether it comes out in a way that is, you know, destructive or constructive, really deals with how we deal with it. You know what I'm saying, Ace? I would love to hear from you. How many opportunities do you get to talk about this? If, if so, you know. And then also, if you don't talk about this a lot, what are the things, or what is the thing that keeps you from talking about it? Hmm. So. It's funny because back in the pandemic, when I felt like we were all so separated, the ironic thing that happened for me, and I think it happened to all my line brothers, some of which are here, some of which are not, we intentionally started having these like monthly conversations. Literally, I mean, and it was like, you could tell like we were all seeking it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Because the first one we had, it was like, it was just a weight that just kind of yep. like, just yep. like, and to be in a space where like every, like death was crazy, like people's health was on the, you know, it was just crazy to be in a space where we could all just say, this is how we're feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is how I'm frustrated with my wife. Yep. And my kids are acting up. Yeah. And it was such a vulnerable thing because, you know, we, our line brothers are tight and close, but like we might go a couple of years without seeing each other. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about how many things we've missed in each other's lives. My best friend, like when I was at my lowest and like just trying to feed off of myself, yeah, I missed so many opportunities to check in with like people that cared about me the most. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And I think when we talk about that pride issue, it's like we carry that thing as like a shield sometimes, and you gotta know when to put it down. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it is a right. heavy thing. Yeah, right. Because you'll die on it. Yeah, die. I mean, like you gotta know when to like lay that thing down. And I think, you know, for me, I talk to my wife a lot. Like she's my best friend. She is the my confidant. And I think we've had to cultivate that relationship. Like, and I know I know every man doesn't have that same kind of relationship with their spouse. For sure. I'm blessed that I do because I think she talks me off a ledge a lot. <laughs> like straight up. I mean, like yeah. and I think that one of the reasons I can do that is because to your earlier point, I know she won't weaponize that against me. I don't have to worry about this coming up three months later. <laughs> like you you were weak. You were yep. you know, yeah. and I don't carry that in my household. Yeah. And I'm blessed that I don't because I know a lot of my friends that just when we talk on the phone, you can tell they're just carrying so much resentment mm -hmm. or just, yes, just feelings toward their spouse, their kids that they just can't say. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to hit a boiling point at some point. Yeah. It may not be today. It may not be in five years, but when it hits that tipping point, <laughs> it's going to be an ugly thing. Yes. And I think I'm just blessed that like in my household, I've, I've been able to carve out some of those spaces and with my best friends, with my line brothers to kind of check in regularly. Cause it, it's like any other part of health. Mm -hmm. You got to check up. Mm -hmm. Like you think you're good and you realize like something like your father passed away and you realize you, that's a cancer. Like mm -hmm. you got to really deal with that thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can't just let the time pass where you're not dealing with the stuff that you know is eating you the most. Yeah. So when he said that, he was, <laughs> I, I didn't even think it was that long. Like, yeah, yeah right. I, just hearing you say eight years, like I remember. Mm. Yeah, the, we were there. All of us. Like I remember yeah. those times. Like I, yep. like I could, like certain songs I hear still put me in that same space. But it's like, but thinking about the, the fact, number one, that it's even eight years, but understanding the weight of everything that was going on. Because when you talk about responsibilities and roles, it's programmed. The Vinley program, probably, I'm sure that every son wants to be there for mom. Mm. But if your mom has lost somebody that they've been with forever, it supersedes the fact of who you go. That's right. Right? You're like, yeah, I'm like, you know what, mom, I got you. So just seeing how we had to snap into and just kind of do all of that. And you don't have the opportunity to process and grieve and like just check in with yourself and do a kind of self-analysis and be like well you know what how are my systems running <laughs> am i good mm -hmm. and then you realize whenever you snap on somebody that <laughs> they said have a nice day and <laughs> you're not that good <laughs> no <laughs> and then the right way that's like maybe i am tripping it's just me have a nice day right? yeah, oh oh have a nice day yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a nice you day. have a nice day yeah, yeah, yeah. my brother <laughs> Man, you know talking about health and i know we all try to keep our little you know style and everything try to stay up with the times but our bodies let us know every now and then that you know we ain't getting younger <laughs> and you know you talked about having those opportunities to let that weight off. And so for me, I've had some instances where it's dramatically changed my perspective where I've had two significant incidents where putting all those hours into work, mm. I was getting dizzy spells where I couldn't, I couldn't even look at a computer screen. Like it, it got really bad. But the ultimate thing was I, I've never broken a bone, never had to stay in a hospital. Uh, uh, a few years ago, I had blood clots wow. that were in my leg, traveled up to my lung, and I was in the hospital for like four or five days. And man, 
that that changes everything. Like when you when you are looking when you're hearing a monitor checking your lifeline and and at the time this is during the COVID year, so my family couldn't even come in there with me. So I'm in there by myself, relying upon these nurses that are taking shifts and putting IVs in my arms and and you just look at things totally different. Mm. And from that point forward, because you have to have those conversations with yourself. Yeah. Did I have a life insurance and policy in place? Did I, are my kids gonna be okay? My wife's gonna be okay? I mean, you just gotta think about those things. So when you are blessed, I was blessed enough to come out another side of that, you you realize you can't care, you, it's, it's not healthy. You could literally be gone tomorrow. Because when we're young, you think you're immortal. You think you're invincible. Yeah. You carry everything. You know, and I think we carry, continue to carry that but we aren't meant to carry that forever. We aren't meant to uphold that immortality sense forever. You don't have to wait till you're in the hospital or you have a divorce or you have a relationship going bad or you have a nervous breakdown or depression. I, I'd hate for anybody to have to go through that, a life or death situation where it goes beyond a conversation at that point. Yeah. It, it's, it's, are you gonna be able to leave out of this facility type situation? Shall you so, you, you mentioned something that I think is important too, man. I'm thinking about historically as black men and black people. When you think about the life expectancy, when you think about all the things that we tend to carry, whether it is the sugars, <laughs> like <laughs> diabetes, high blood pressure, diabetes, thyroid, like all, all these things that we carry. When you look at them, man, I wonder how, how much of this stuff actually of course, some of it is diet, some of it, some of it is the situation where we are, but how much of it is the stress that we carry, bro? How much of it is we have to save face? Like you can't allow anybody to see you cracking or breaking. And so, so as a result, you just keep it all in, right? Yeah. And so you begin to feel this, this thing in your body. And before you know it, you find yourself in a situation or in lying in a hospital bed. And, and so I wonder, as I'm thinking about even this pride issue, like pride, the reason this is called kill pride is because realistically, that's the thing that we need to kill. Or really, it could kill us in a lot of ways in terms of whether it's the relationships, whether it is uh, saving face, whether it's not being willing to ask for help. I'll say this. Recently, I started therapy, which is very interesting thank you man really bro yo i appreciate it i mean because you know real real ones don't be doing therapy man i'm from five points man like we don't do we don't do therapy bro like we don't do that bro i'm from five yeah yeah right i'm from five points well i don't do that randolph street to be exact my boy Very crazy yeah yeah so you heard him talking about right 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 you gonna lay on the couch you gonna face somebody and talk about your issues playboy we don't do therapy man like traditionally right like and so whether it is not having access to it, you know what I'm saying, or it's, it's a stigma around that, right? Like there's a stigma around therapy because I know growing up, like my parents ain't do therapy, my, like, like they were fine, right? But like realistically, man, therapy is a part of something I feel can help a lot of us, right? And so I didn't, I didn't start therapy out of a, uh, it wasn't no crisis. It was more so like, all right, let's just check in. Let's see what it do, right? Like I'm about this whole get better and improve. Well, this could be another tool in that in my toolbox. And so uh, my first session was kind of interesting because the whole time 
I feel like I'm a Jedi. I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> like, like you, you asking me questions, but I know where you're going. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think three steps ahead of her. And it, so it's crazy, man. And so eventually, like, I had to give in to that. So right about session three, she presented something to me, man, and I, and I felt like it was crazy. She said something like, she was like, all right, tell me about your story. Tell me about you growing up. And so I started telling them about how I grew up and how we didn't have a lot of money and all these things. And so and so she listened. And at the end of it, she was like, do you think you have financial trauma? Mm. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't got no financial trauma. I grind because I grind, right? Like, I... I'm out here trying to get it because I want to make sure my family's straight and all these other things, man. And so I had to sit with that question for like weeks. And the more I sat with it, I realized I do. <laughs> like I do have financial trauma. Like, like I think about the pork and beans that we used to eat, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, like the bologna sandwich, you know what I'm saying? And like all those different things. Yeah, like real talk, man. Like, like my one of my favorite pair of shoes I ever got came from a trash bag that came from the home that my grandmother used to clean. Like, real talk. So as I started thinking about it, like, dang, bro, I really do have financial trauma. It made me examine something that I would never, ever have thought existed. Like, the reason I go as hard as I go, the reason that I think about things the way I think about them. And so as, as we're doing this and we're having this conversation, my hope is that those that are on the listening and the viewing end of this, Begin to see there's more to, to this thing, right? Like, it, it's okay. Kill that pride, right? Yeah. So when I was in graduate school, one of the things I would do, y'all know this, man, I studied theology. So one of the things that I used to do every day on 20 for a whole 60 days, bro, I would ride on 20 cussing God out. Like, cussing God out. Like, I'm talking about giving them every word, saying everything that I felt. And I feel like I had the permission to do that because David did that in Psalms. If you don't know Psalms, you need to read that mud. David be cussing, yeah. cussing God out in Psalms. Hey, cuss God out, boy. And so I felt free in that, right? And so part of that was, you know, hey, I just felt like I needed to do it. But the other thing that I picked up during that time was journaling because I couldn't share with my wife. She was pregnant at the time. And I'm like, bro, I'm not going to put that on you. Right, like you've got enough going on, I'm gonna just have to eat this one. And so as I begin to feel things and feel that anger, I just decided to start journaling. And it's something I've, I've done now for, man, probably seven or eight years. And, and if you don't have access to therapy, a therapist rather, that is a, a good option. And I think it's a moment where we can examine who we are and our pride and put that pride aside and at least begin to, to journal. What are some of the ways that you all deal with the the issues or the challenges that you may be feeling in life. Let's go with you, Ace. Uh, a lot of you know I paint. I'm an artist. Mm. And the funny thing about it, I have like imposter syndrome with art, where it's like, because it's not my daily profession, like pe it throws people when I tell them that. Like they know me for like real estate, but then they're like, oh, you paint? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hard to hold those two things in your head sometimes, yeah. be creative and like financially, whatever. But I only do it for me. So, I've gotten in this mode now where it's like cathartic in a way, it's therapeutic. And when people appreciate it, I really love it, but it was only for me. Yeah. So it's kind of like humbling in a way where somebody can see some kind of talent in you, but you know that it came out of something very different. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't to appease somebody, it wasn't for outside validation. Yeah. It was like, 
George Floyd got murdered, I needed to put that to something. Ooh, come on, I man. couldn't articulate that with words. It was color. It was black. It was red. It was like all these things. And like to me, when like people ask me about my art, it's like it's all in color. The words that I can never say about a lot of stuff, it's in color. Um, and so for me, yeah, I paint. Wow. Mm. That's good, man. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we talked about uh, how I started writing a few years back. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the young adult novel that I'm writing now. Like, it is it is eerily similar to a lot of ways that, I mean, I always talk about the protagonist, the protagonist. But these are all just a just a compilation of things we've all dealt with. Mm -hmm. Like whenever we, we read it, whether it's a an experience dealing with like the police or dealing with random high school foolishness or dealing with like the loss of a parent or like a house burned down. Like my house burned down a week before Christmas whenever I was little. Like as I began to like just put out some of that thought into chapter, I remember telling people like, yo, it's kind of like there. Like, yeah, like, they're like, cause like whenever I write, it's almost whenever I'm done, there's a release and it's, it's strange. Like, I don't really know how to articulate it other than the fact that I'm just like, uh, like some, of, like some of it, there was a time when I was writing about certain parts that I, it almost put me in a dark space. Like, mm -hmm. it, like it, that's the best way I, I can put it. It's like, it, it almost put me in a dark space. Like it was stuff that I was writing that was so heavy to me, like the emotion behind it was so heavy. I don't mean it's any good, but the emotion behind it was so heavy that yeah. it was like, it just put me in a, a a dark space. I mean, that's been helpful. And that I had no idea how helpful it was because it's this thoughts that I had for years, things I hadn't thought about for years, yeah. um, but gives me opportunity to just be able to talk about, you know, but yeah. the other thing is I've, become very intentional about having conversations that would make me uncomfortable previously. Mm -hmm. Whether whether little stuff like, you know, telling you you know, your man you love him at the end of a conversation. You know, mm -hmm. we used to we used to rap all the time in school. You can still love your man to be man. But do we? You know what I mean? Like it had like do we say it? You know what I mean? So it's like having those type of conversations now have also been therapeutic to me in a way. I don't think that's any escape for getting licensed therapy. Like, that's big. Like, you can talk about that, man. Like, that's that's big because as grown as I am, I still hadn't fully come to the point where I can be comfortable saying to whoever may see, yo, yeah, I'm getting therapy. Like, I, I, I appreciate you saying that for real. Like, no, that's major, man. Like, that's no small thing. Like, that's... That's incredible. Like, so why do we have a challenge? What is it about me that made me think that's not okay? Right? Mm. Like, that's some pride that needs to be killed. Obvious. Mm. Because you just talked about your breakthrough. When you talked about financial trauma, I was like, let me die. Are you in therapy? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, whenever you said it, I was like, man, he's reading my mirror right now. <laughs> Right, though, I, you know? For me, I've, I've also been in therapy, and I realized how much my life was governed by fear. I, I couldn't put the words to it, I, and it's one of those things where I think a, a good therapist, at least, will help you put words to what you know you feel and help you kind of, it, it spoon feeds it back to you. Say, like, 
let's get to the origin story. Mm -hmm. Let's pull you through this thing. Mm -hmm. Let me dissect why that is impacting you today. Yeah. And for me, it was like, you know, being fairly successful, college educated, got a good scholarship, like whatever. I was so scared of everything. I was scared of failure. Mm. And it made me gun shy about a lot of mm. stuff. It was like, you get to the point where it's like, you've been elevated to a certain point and you don't want to let people down. Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of that fear of judgment, mm -hmm. it was like, you just, it's paralysis. <laughs> like you just can't move anymore. And yep. so for me, it had a lot to do with, and they broke it out so simply. It was like, what is the worst that can happen? Sit in that for a second. Mm. And I started thinking about that. I was like, I'm probably not gonna go broke. Mm. Probably won't lose my wife. Yeah. I hope I don't lose my job. But you start to like rationalize things in a very yeah. different scenario where it's not like doom or gloom. Yeah. It's not all or nothing. Right. That's good. Most of my life, I've always treated it as like you either win or you lose. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of gray yeah. between those two realities, right? Yep. And I think for black men specifically, it's like we carry so much. I mean, like we, we carry so much in terms of what we reflect on our families, like we are the representation of a family. Mm -hmm. yeah. People look at you and they're gonna make a judgment about your family. Right. That's a lot of weight to Wow. Yeah, man. And you hold that. Yeah. And you don't tell your wife that, you don't tell your kids that, but you hold that a lot. Yeah. Right? I think a fear of judgment. Can you cry? Can you, okay mm -hmm. can you call up your homeboy and say, I'm struggling with this? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't know how long it took me to get to the point where I could just, like, call up a really good friend and say, like, man, like, I just need to talk. Yeah. yeah. Like, just talking. Yeah. yeah. Not like, yep. I mean, nothing great. Yep. Just talking. Yep. And I think, like, therapy for me just helped me realize, like, I need to be in much more communication with everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't just, like, hold that thing. And I think, you know, we, if you're in church, you talk about right relationship all the time. Like mm -hmm. being in right relationship. Yep. That that to me, therapy helped me get in right relationship with so many things about my life. So many people, so many circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I don't know I I know for a fact I couldn't have got there by myself. Wow. Like I needed that support system. Goodness, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, so I have a couple things. And so I I believe in a quiet time first thing in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but I recognize that if I don't get some time, I may snap first thing in the morning <laughs> before I even step out of the bed. Wife's in the tag to say something. What? You know, I just realized. Hey, I, I, I'm just, I'm just glad to, I'm just glad to sacrifice and get up an hour early because I, I need to flush this out. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, oh good morning. Oh, good morning. <laughs> huh? What? What you say? She needs to say some. Literally, sometimes I'd be like, "What you say?" I didn't say nothing. <laughs> I think she said something, you know. So I just have to sacrifice to get up a little earlier. You know, I read through scripture, do a little devotional, and what I what I traced it back to is going back to my parents divorcing. At that time, I felt like I didn't have anybody. Like it was late in my high school years, so I went. I literally went to my college orientation by myself. I moved into college by myself. I don't know if a lot of people know that even those close to me, like I felt like I was I was grown at that point because they were dealing with their own thing. Not that they intentionally did it, but they were dealing with their issues. So I just I just persevered through. And the one constant I had was in black families, even though your parents may sip a little something, smoke a little something on the weekends, you're going to church on Sunday. <laughs> 
And so we always went to church. <laughs> and so I had that to lean on. I got baptized. I, you know, it, literally on Saturday, they'd be down in the basement with my little, my cousins and stuff, playing spades, playing talk, smoking, drinking. Hey, you up for breakfast? Hey, <laughs> hey, breakfast, church, Sunday school. And that's what we went to. So that built a foundation for me. And, and you know, we parted a little bit. We, you know, I wasn't always mature in my faith, but I, I had enough where I knew to get up in the morning. So it's, it gets to the point now where my wife will literally say, hey, you been talking to God about me? Because I know there's a time and place to have these conversations, to unload that stuff. And sometimes my best confidant is my relationship with Christ, and I'll have that conversation. And sometimes he speaks on my behalf, and I'm like, okay, well, I see how you're working. Okay, great. <laughs> so that's a big thing for me, just getting up first thing in the morning. Once again, I'm not a morning person, but I understand that sacrifice is needed. The other thing I do is run. Now, I don't like running. People think I like running because I do it consistently. But the reason I run because I like to eat. And it it's real. My waistline, yeah. you know, yeah. in proper proportion. Uh, but the other thing I notice is when I'm running around my community, it allows me to, because I work from home, so I'm always in the house, always around the kids, always around my wife. She works from home. She's in real estate. So I'm, I, I don't have an outlet. So like grocery store, I'm the grocery store guy. Like I go to the grocery store. Hey, you, you know, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So running, running allows me to just get free. Yeah. And what I noticed in running is that it gives me that quiet time. And I purposefully, sometimes I don't even listen to music. I just, I'm just out there. I just rushing, bro. And I start thinking about people. I think about y'all. I really like, and it, and it, it motivates me to say, hey, when you get done, send such and such a text. Then go such and such. Because otherwise, I'll just be sitting in the house watching movies. Literally, like, if y'all know me, I'm, I'm a movie buff. I'll, I'll literally sit in the house all day, watch movies. But it pushes me to, you know, disconnect from those responsibilities at times in the household. And I can say, hey, have you reached out to Brandon? Ron? Yeah. T, what you doing, man? You're just sitting around. So, or reach out to your mom, your dad. And then I'll start reaching out. I'll see little kids in the community. I'm, you know, I'm like, what they doing? Why they ain't in school? You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. But you start, it, it opens your thought process yeah. to what can I be doing? Yeah. Instead of judging and saying, why they ain't in school, yeah. are you checking on them? Make sure they got what they need in their household. So those are some things I do just to be able to get an outlet, be able to disconnect from those responsibilities and just see what my purpose is. Because my purpose from 10 years ago may not be what it is today. Mm. I may be led to do something else, help somebody else. Yeah. And so I need to have those opportunities just to be free and to disconnect and just, well, we can never completely disconnect, but to just have that openness to see what, what I need to do today. Ace, you mentioned something about keeping in touch with people, yeah. right? I realize that Amanda has so many things that you have going at home in general, and all of us are pretty busy in terms of just got stuff going on and life has a way of just happening. And so as a result, you go an extended amount of time, not checking in on your people. What do you think needs to happen? How do you think we can do better at creating that community or creating that, uh, that connection that you spoke of when you're talking about checking in with people? I mean, set reminders on your phone. You call me like, yeah. Yeah. We, there are so many little hacks that I've learned to just create accountability for yourself. And for me, it's, I tell my wife, 
like remind me to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she's the best accountability partner I got. Wow. She tells me everything I don't want to hear. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> so she she helps keep that balance. Yeah. I think the other thing, and we talked a little bit about this, or you alluded to it, is safe spaces. And I would, I think the question that we need to ask our friends and our people that we hold close is, do you feel safe? Mm-hmm. I don't think wow. I ever have had anybody ask me, do I feel safe to share? Ooh. Or do I feel safe in the circumstances that I'm in, whether it's professionally, peer circle? Yeah. And to truth be told, I don't mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I don't feel like my vulnerability is going to be held in the most honorable way. And people are going to ask me, Brandon, let me be there for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, check that box. I know I'm going to get back to that guy mm-hmm. when he slips up. And I think we have to like put a pin in the fact that we want safety for each other. Like, I don't want to see you fall. Like, I, I want to lift you up. Yeah. 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 Just saying that, like, to, to let you know that I'm here for you. Yeah. For your benefit, for your strength. Man. Like, you got to articulate that stuff because yeah. all the stuff that we don't say is the stuff that doesn't get said. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So I think, like, underpinning safety. So we talked about feeling safe. What do you need in order to feel safe? Man, I need no judgment. I need vulnerability. And um, the last thing is just like s- solutions. Like that, that's it. That, like if I got solutions, no judgment and vulnerability, we, 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 we can go from there. What about you, Rashad? I feel like I need someone that's gonna actively listen and not be ready to respond mm. or give a solution. Mm. So I feel like a lot of conversation just being able to unload or have an outlet to what you've been thinking in your own head and just being able to verbalize it without somebody already like, well, you should do this. You could do A, B, C, D, you'd be good. Like, sometimes I'm not looking for that. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like I'm talking to a mirror now because I feel like my wife is telling me this stuff. But from a man's perspective, I think we have to get to that comfort level where where I can just have confidence that you're just gonna sit and listen. I just need somebody to understand what I'm going through because me rattling in my own head, I'm battling against myself. I I just need to let somebody know what I'm thinking, what I'm dealing with. So not someone that's a scholar or someone that has all the answers or, but just someone that can just listen, just sit there and be sympathetic or empathetic with what I'm dealing with yeah. at that moment in time. Ace, what about you, man? I think I need space for dialogue. You know, I think you, you touched on it. We have a clickbait society. <laughs> and I think part of the reason why we don't feel safe is because you literally can't say anything without somebody weaponizing it, right? Like you, you don't have a chance to kind of explain yourself. And so I think we all just need to create that time and space just to like, get our full thoughts out, provide context, and just lean into that, man. And I also say, like, for me, safety is also feeling like there's healing on the other side of it. You don't, you're not feeling like you're losing it all. Mm. You don't feel like it's all or nothing. You feel like there's something positive that's going to come out of this experience or this, this sharing or this exchange. Like, once you, I feel like far too often I've historically have, like, lean into this notion that like if I share something personal or vulnerable 
it's automatically going to be a bad outcome. And so that, to me, just kept me from having a conversation to start. Yeah, that's real. So I think knowing that there's the potential for something being better is really powerful. Mm. And I feel like there's only so many types of people that create that safety with you. Mm. So it's, you know, you you can name the people, right? The people that love you unconditionally, that have nothing to gain from that vulnerability. Um, So, yeah. What do I need to feel safe? I think for me... I need to be able to cry. Like, and I'm not even a crier, right? I don't. I, I can probably think on one hand the amount of times I've shed tears, which is crazy to say out loud, as old as I am. But I don't. I don't think it hasn't been okay, right? Like in terms of society, where it's like, oh man, suck it up. Like, rub some dirt on it. <laughs> like, even whenever you a kid, like, you hurt yourself, you know, your uncle is your dad, whoever, like, man, get up, yeah. right? Like, yeah. rub some dirt on it, stop crying. Stop being a little punk, right? Like, like get up and go. And, and so I think we internalize that. And so we learn very early on that it's not okay to be hurt. It's not okay to say that we're hurt, and it's not okay to show that we're hurt. And so I believe even though I'm not a crier, to be able to have a space where if I shed tears, I think is the definition of safety. Okay. I think from a pride perspective, the comparison comes a lot into play. Hmm. And we look on Facebook, Instagram, we're like, are they, are they doing good? And that makes us feel like, okay, well, I don't need to check on nobody. Hmm. They, they look like they're doing all right. But then you get that texts or you hear that message of oh did you hear such such getting a divorce or did you hear such and such is in the hospital did you hear such such died yeah and you're and and you're like oh that was sudden but in actuality it probably wasn't Mm -hmm. so getting over that pride of comparing to someone else and that oh they doing all right i'm doing all right i don't need to check on them or have them check on me so for me i try not to wait until i get that message that pushes me to say, set those reminders on my phone. Literally, I got reminders on my phone. Hey, text or call Bobby. Text or call my brother. Text, you know, leverage the technology because those are, at least they're giving you accountability to say, hey, at one point you felt you felt like this was necessary, so don't sit on your hands now and not reach out. And, and it's not like you have to have a full therapy conversation. Right. You just reach out. Yeah. You never know who's waiting to just unload. You know, they don't have an outlet. And so I've at least started to do that because I'm not a person that talks on the phone a lot. And I use that as an excuse. Well, I don't talk on the phones. I'm not calling such and such. But when we schedule an outing, oh, I'm the first one on board with the flight, <laughs> you know. So it can't be, I get you know, all or nothing. You, you got to have those intermediate conversations and interactions. So th- those are my goals to to help me reach out and connect with it's good man nah, that's great man the scary thing about pride is it's like it's all it's like odorless it's weightless it's like intangible mm-hmm. it, it creeps in and it'll trade you out before you even know yeah. you know what yeah. i mean but its results are very tangible yeah. like the way it manifests in your life it, it has like the the strictest and strongest consequences of all so for me the way i have to combat that is action 
because pride creeps up in me whenever I, I wait. Like if I take, if, 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 I, if I know I need to do something and I don't do it, then it's usually a prideful moment that is keeping me from it. I had a conversation with one of my, my youth leaders last week and it rocked me a little bit. This, he's a, like, he's a youth leader. He's young, I'm double his age easy. And he was like, we think that being humble is this beautiful thing, he said, but it actually is clothed pride. He said, because you're, you're being humble because the reality is you're too proud to, to, to put yourself where you've been called to be or where God wants you to be, and you really don't want to see yourself fall. Um. And <laughs> Watch your tone of voice. It was that strong. It's like, but if you think about what you just said, think about the pride that you have to put down to reach out to somebody random and be like, yo, what's good? Yo, 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 you good? Because you don't know what's going on in that person's life. And we're already thinking about like, man, I bet they're going to wonder like, yo, what's this joke on? Like, why is he reaching out out of the blue? Like, it, like you even have to put your pride aside for that. So that's why for me, it, like pride comes whenever I wait, when I pause, mm -hmm. because more often than not, I've missed the little moment that I need or that I'm supposed to act on that you have no idea what's supposed to come from it. Oh. Or it may that, like you said, give somebody the opportunity to unload or to, to feel safe. You know what? He does really care. Or I do need to talk about that. You know, like I had no idea, but I needed to get that all off my chest. So mm. that's kind of how I, I combat it. You know, I just like try to take immediate action whenever I feel it. Because if I, if I give it a second, it takes root. Yeah. yeah. It grows. It's deeper. And the lady don't goes dormant. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. See, we all think we have time. Yeah. Woo. We all think we have time yeah. to figure stuff. Good God, boy. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of crazy because you think about like all the things that you regret, like yeah. you know, all the things after the fact that you wish you could have interceded on. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you feel like you're powerless because that's not my place, or I don't want to offend that person, or yeah. whatever the case is. Yeah. yeah, there's a sense of urgency that comes with attacking vulnerability. Right, I think you have to do it in the moment because mm -hmm. you're going to forget about it, or time is going to pass. Yeah. And then on the backside, you feel regretful because you didn't do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like that just, that's the natural cycle of just yeah. like inaction. Yeah. I think we got to like, yeah. we got to treat this as urgent as we treat everything else in our life. Yeah. To be honest, like we react so quickly to other things in our life that are half as consequential yeah. as our mental health, as our spiritual health. Yeah. So you respond to that work email. You respond in a <laughs> minute. Our wife knows this about me. She knows that I will get up at like five o'clock in the morning just to send a response yeah. before get ahead of like, the game yeah wiring yourself and all these other facets of your life yeah so, and we take the least amount of time to wire ourselves emotionally in the same way and it, it is it's a shame because like imagine what you imagine the relationships that we could build if we were intentional about it the same way we are about professional wow accolades yeah. it's about our physical fitness yeah about looking good for the grant like it's just all these shadow things that we're just like we got to yeah, focus on. Yeah. yeah, but we don't treat mental health the same way, man. For whatever I mean, I, I think we know the reason, but we just don't. You know, I think it's a game of urgency. Yeah, thinking you have time is no doubt the biggest fallacy. Yeah. That's yeah, and that's yeah. that's scary for real. You know how how you present what kill pride means 
uh, to others and, and the message that you can give us to really help promote that because I think a lot of us, um, like myself, we put wigs on pigs and that pig might be that whatever it is that we're dealing with that we're covering up. Some people may see kill pride and they may be like offended or something like that. The, the, the crazy thing is that I struggled for months with whether or not to, to name this kill pride. And, and a lot of it was based in the fear of the backlash. Meaning, I'm aware, pride means a variety of things to a variety of people. The world that we live in that is a soundbite-heavy social media world that we live in that rarely allows you to have dialogue and conversations around whatever, I was a little hesitant, man. And, and like, low-key, might have been even fearful because... It's a powerful statement <laughs> and like a sentence and a, you know what I'm saying? And so really, man, like I, I had to sit with that for a while and I had to sit with what it means to me. And because of what it means to me, I felt comfortable moving forward because I felt like, A, when someone sees that phrase, it's going to, it's going to elicit emotions one way or the other, right? Which I think is a powerful thing in itself. Right, whether it's a negative emotion that you feel immediately, or it's a positive emotion, or you, if it's just you're curious about what it is. Basically, what ended up happening is that I sat with it for a while and I realized the power of that emotion and the power of that moment and the opportunity that comes with what someone sees on a shirt or what someone sees on the internet. And so, Kill Pride, and to answer your question, um, the way that I talk about it is Kill Pride is a community of humans that refuse to buy into or believe our own hype. Once we understand that we're all human, that we all experience life in a variety of ways, and that we need each other, coming to the table to have conversations and putting that to the side and being able to be fully human and bully fully ourselves changes our lives forever in ways that will not only impact the people in the space, but also those that are close to us. And so that's how it all came about. And that's how I would answer that question. Man, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for being willing to be open and vulnerable. The goal of this whole podcast and this is to create a community of like-minded men where you can, you can share these things. You can get this stuff all your, off your chest. It could be a safe space for you to process it. Like I, I want for us more than to just be happy or pissed off. <laughs> There's a whole range <laughs> that we, we can explore and I want this to be the place. So in terms of whether it is having the community, the accountability, because I think that's important too, to be able to check. I seen a t-shirt that says, check on your strong friends, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody in this room is strong, but sometimes you don't want to be strong, bro. Like I don't want to be resilient all the time. Yeah. I don't want to be strong all the time. So this is, this is our attempt to say, hey, you don't have to be. Like, you can lean on me, I got you. We can ride together. I don't think you're any less of a man because you are crying. I don't think you're any less of a man because you're, you're experiencing real life. In fact, I think you're more of a man because it takes, it takes a certain level of strength to be vulnerable. Like, it's a, there's a, it takes a strong person to be able to do that. So that's our goal here. And so thank you for helping to create this community, this Kill Pride Club, this community of like-minded human beings and i'm so grateful i look forward to uh, the next episode and everything that will come from this so thank you guys appreciate you guys yeah, yeah.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you've learned something from it. And if that is the case, we ask that you would share this with someone that you know and love so that they too may have the same experience. And if that's the case, would you please consider subscribing as well as leaving five-star reviews and comments so that others may be able to find Kill Pride Club as well. We hope you enjoy yourself. We'll see you next time.